0: amen amen well listen i am awesome it's mark thanks and uh samantha put that together i believe samantha cripe mark did the interviewing and samantha did a lot of that right is that right where's mark at oh you did it all (laughs) i don't know whether to believe that or not so um all right just like uh you did it all uh, uh never mind we won't go there all right, boys and girls ages uh, four years old to kindergarten, you may go to Children's Church now, um, uh, the mass exodus there, uh, four years old through kindergarten. Listen, I want to just, uh, before we get into, uh, into the scriptures, uh, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. Before we get into that, I just want to say that I'm really, really glad uh, that our youth were able to get involved. Um, if you didn't know what SOS stood for, it uh, stands for Summer of Service. And uh, it was started, uh, I don't know how many years ago, uh, Mark, a few years, about 10 years ago um, by a couple of churches in the area. And uh, it actually, an, another gentleman, um, by his, his name's Mark as well, is uh, running it now. Uh, we actually played them in softball a few weeks ago. And uh, so I got a chance to meet him and, uh, and talk with him. And so I'm just really excited about our youth getting involved in serving. Um, listen, too many of the young people today uh, want to take, 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 right? think that uh, the world deserves them something. And so I think it's good when our young people and our youth can get involved in giving out and serving the community and so forth. Um, Mark and I talked a couple months ago um, as we were looking for uh, what we wanted the youth to do this summer and so forth. And uh, he was talking about uh, doing something local here. And so I thought, this being Mark's first year, it was all, I think it was actually very wise to do something local here uh, and, and so forth. So youth, I'm glad you had an opportunity to be a part of this. <laughs> Growing up uh, in my home church, uh, I had uh, an opportunity to be a lot of different part of a lot of different um, uh, mission trips and mission opportunities and uh, Those things greatly impacted my life so I am thrilled to see that our youth are, are doing the same things uh, local this year we don 't know about next year yet we haven 't planned that yet, but Mark and I are going to talk about that, but we we want to see our youth getting involved in Uh, ministering to others and sharing the love of christ with others we believe that's important amen and so uh, mark thank you for leading that and uh, nicole and and uh, christy and and tyler i believe were involved with that as well thank you guys youth i'm glad you had a great time and i hope this was impactful in your life uh as i said this is kind of i just want to just give you a little bit of sermon before the before the sermon um (laughs) is that okay I believe it is crucial for a church to support the youth. Amen. I believe it is absolutely vital that we, um, we pour into our, our kids, which we do, our children, Awana and Bible school and all those things, and our youth as well. I think it's crucial, guys. Um, I think it's just absolutely crucial. <laughs> you know what happens to a church that doesn't have young people? It dies. And if you look around at most churches in America today, they're dying. And if you look at the average age of most chur- in most churches today and those that are dying, it's over the age of 50. Now, nothing wrong with that, and, and we need to minister to all ages, okay? But the reason our country is in the shape it is in today is because we're not reaching the young people. Amen. We're not doing it. And listen, I, I, I'm 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 creeping into that. Uh, who, I don't know who said this. and I won't repeat that. But that old persons group up there, okay? <laughs> I'm I'm creeping I'm creeping into that. All right. Listen, of course, uh, you know that 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 to the entire youth, that's anybody over 20. Okay, Mark's an old person, and so uh, I'm creeping into that. But but here's the deal. I, I want to thank you I, I, you know I had Mark and I talked about it, we knew what the goal was they said hey can you can you bring two hundred and fifty cases of water We're, mark said sure i don 't know what he thought of eventually we didn't know how many we'd come up with, but what three hundred and fifty th- about three hundred and fifty you guys gave, and uh that 's awesome you 're supporting our youth." And that's wonderful. I just want to continue to say, listen, that's part of our vision, and it will continue to be a part of our vision. As you look around here, we see, you just look around the congregation. Just look around just a minute, okay? There are all ages represented here today. Amen? There are all ages. And, and I think that's awesome. But we must continue to focus on our youth. In my home church, uh, there were a group of adults who, you know, here's what a church can, can, can kind of get tempted into. Because here's the deal. I doubt many of these youth have a forty-hour-week job. Anybody have a forty-hour-week job? <laughs> Chris, are you working Jagger that hard? <laughs> they don't have a forty-hour-week job. They have a part-time job here and there and stuff, but you know they're not going to uh, pay the bills. Uh, our, our our little kids running around—they're not gonna, you know, uh, keep the lights on, all that kind of stuff. So churches can say, "Well, hey, we need to focus on those who are who, who are who are able to to support the church and so forth." Right? And here's the deal: the problem is that when we do that, we don't reach the young people, and we lose the next generation, and we end up in the shape that our country's in today. Amen. And so. I will tell you, as long as I am pastor here, and so if you don't want this, then vote me out. That's fine. Um, But we are going to be focused on the youth and young people. And because we've got to, okay? We've got to. Now, hopefully along the way, we're going to minister to everybody. Amen? Um, But uh, we're going to focus on that because I believe that is important. If we're going to change the future, friends, we must put an emphasis on investing in the next generation. We've got to. We've got to. All right. Well, this morning you see uh, our table up front, and so we are going to be observing the Lord's Supper here in just a few minutes. But before we get to that part of our service, I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 5 with me this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, as I talk to uh, get a chance to talk with people out in the world today, and I hope you do as well, I think, you know, one of the most impactful things for me as a youth. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, uh, one of the reasons, probably one of the biggest reasons that I am your pastor and surrendered to the call to ministry and that God did the work in the, has done the work in my life that he has is because of uh, those people who invested in me as a kid and as a youth and those uh, adults in my church that, you know what, they put up with some stuff. You know what, we put a few holes in walls as a youth. Can I admit that? All right. And we put a few holes in the wall. We got our youth uh, leader in trouble a couple times. Mark, I just have to admit that, you know. Um, uh, we did that a few times. There were some things that we did that, that I would be pretty embarrassed to tell you, okay. But in the midst of all of that, they allowed us um, to live out our faith. And they allowed, they allowed it to become our faith and not just my mom's faith, not just our parents' faith and uh and that's crucial guys that is crucial and so one of the things uh, went on mission trips and you know what i hope that it impacted the people that we went to but i know that it impacted me and so if you don't get outside of just your own little circle in your own little world ever you got to do that amen god places us where he places us as missionaries in our world today. And um, I'm glad our youth got an opportunity to experience that. And I, I want all of us to get the op- that opportunity. You know, as I, as I talk with people in the world today, and as I look around and, and talk to people about where they are in their relationship with the Lord, a lot of times I'll talk with somebody and they'll say, Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. You know, friends, I find it a very disappointing reality that a lot of people I talk to that say they are Christians, that say, they love the Lord, but then I continue to talk to them, and their life doesn't show any demonstration of that. Uh, their life—you uh, wouldn't know it if they didn't say anything. You would have no idea that Jesus was actually supposed to be Lord of their life. They—they—they—they uh, they, they, they say, "Oh yeah, I've been saved," but then you get to talk to them, you find out that the Lord's not really a, a, a much of a part of their life at all. You know, talk to folks, oh, yeah, I, I love the Lord, and you continue to talk with them, find out they're getting ready to move in with each other <laughs> before they're married. And, and you say, what's going on here? There's a disconnect, uh, something going on here. You talk to folks and find out, oh, yeah, I love the Lord, and then their lifestyle is more of a a lifestyle that just focuses on them and partying and doing what they want to do and all this, and it doesn't, now, don't get me wrong. If you know me at all, you know I love to have fun in the Lord, Amen. I don't believe that God has called us to be fuddy-duddies, okay? Uh, I don't. But at the same sense, friends, God has called us to something special. That's what I want to talk about with you this morning. I want to talk to you about the fact that God has called us uh, to something more. I just want to ask you a question. Why did Jesus die on the cross? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember what he's done for us as we take of the, 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 the bread and the juice and remember that his body and blood was shed on the cross for us. Why did, why did Christ die on the cross? You say, oh, pastor, that's easy. He died to save us. He died to redeem us. He died to, to pay the penalty for our sin. And I would say, yes, absolutely. Praise God. Amen. That's wonderful. Amen. You got it. That's exactly right. He died so that we can be redeemed, so that our sins can be forgiven. And, 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 and God does not look at us as the sinners that we are, but he looks at us with the right, uh, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and therefore he can accept us and does accept us as his children. Amen? And, and so that's awesome. That's, that's absolutely uh, one of the huge reasons why Christ died for us and why he died on the cross. But I want to ask you, is that all? Because many times we kind of stop there, don't we? We, we, we? we enjoy the forgiveness that we have in Christ. Amen? Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy knowing that all of your sins are forgiven? Past, present, and future? Amen. You ought to. If you don't, then, then, then we need to talk. It's okay. Uh, but many times we stop there and we bask in the forgiveness available in Christ. And we stop there. You say, well, pastor... What else? Friends, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 5, and I believe we find something very crucial here that we need to understand in the midst of a passage that is focusing and talking about marriage. Now, um, ladies, we're not even going to read verse 22 there, okay? Can I get an amen? Okay, we're going to start at verse 25. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and in the midst here of a passage where Paul is talking uh, to to husbands and wives and talking to them about their role and how they are to treat each other, Uh, we learn some very important things about what Christ has done for us and why he has done what he did for us. Look at verse 25, if you will. Verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, can I get an Amen amen from all the ladies out there Um, husbands love your wives Uh, we're talking about paul's talking about marriage here and he's telling us how to love our wives we are to love our wives in the same type of way that jesus christ has loved us we are his church amen Uh, has loved us and gave himself for us so christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins he was unselfish And stepped out of heaven and was willing to take our sin upon himself. Willing to be beaten and willing to to go through torture and mockery and all the things that he did for us. That was a very selfless, self-sacrificing attitude. Amen? And so guys, that's the kind of attitude that we are supposed to have. That's the kind of love, that agape love that we are supposed to demonstrate to our wives. So guys... I want you to remember that what we're talking about here does is, is is we're supposed to emulate that as leaders in our homes. But this isn't Father's Day, okay, guys. I'm not not going to focus just on you today. We want to talk about. Look at the next verse here. Uh, Paul is relating how husbands are love wives as to what Christ loves us, the church. But he goes on there in verse twenty six. Look at this. He says, "Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, why that he might." sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word so we oftentimes we stop there at basking in the forgiveness of God and in the grace of God and listen I don't listen if you know me and you hear me very much preach you know I love to bask in that forgiveness amen we need to but 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 God didn't save us just so that we can feel wonderful God saved us for a higher calling. It says here in verse 26 that he might sanctify us. Now, we use that word in a lot of ways. We talk about sanctification. We are sitting here in a sanctuary. What does that word actually mean? The word sanctuary here is from the Greek word hagios. And it is a word that literally means to set apart. Okay? To set apart. Uh, uh, We use it Sometimes we talk about dedicate or consecrate. We set ourselves apart or set ourselves uh, uh, apart for service to the Lord. Did you know that the word here, the root Greek word, hagios, is actually the same root Greek word, we're going to see down here in just a minute, that is also translated in many places, holy. Hagios is the same root word. That's translated here, sanctify. In the next verse, it's gonna be translated holy, a little bit different form of the word. And so it's the same root. And so uh, the word holy also means to be set apart. Uh, now, w- the word holy, uh, we talk about, we ascribe first of all, really only to God. Amen? God is the only one who is perfectly holy. And when we say that God is holy, what do we think? God is perfect. He is without sin. He is without uh, blemish. We think of that. We think of that. But here's what it literally means. It means, remember we talked about the root is to be set apart. Okay? So it means that God is set apart or separate from anything and everything that is profane. So when we talk about God's holiness and we look at the world today, do you understand why God so disgusted with the things that are happening in the world. And guys, we can't just point our fingers out. What about in our own lives? God is holy. He is separate from all that is profane, all that is unclean, all that is debauchery. And so for us as believers to claim the name of Jesus Christ and then go out and live for ourselves and, and, and continue in a life of sin and doing what we want to do and, and, and our lifestyle not demonstrating a life that is honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ is totally contrary and at odds with what God has saved us for. Amen? The verse here says that God has saved us, that He might present, or excuse me, that He might sanctify us and and cleanse us with the washing of water by the Word. Now we have to understand a little bit here about sanctification. The word sanctify here and being set apart happens in three different senses, uh, senses and actually specifically in three different tenses. Uh, you've probably heard of this before, but the reality is there is a sense in which. We have already been sanctified. We have already been saved. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the moment you were born again, the moment, moment you responded to him in faith, uh, the, the Bible says that uh, God did a work in your heart. You were born again. He changed you. You went from death to life. And, and, and now you are a child of his. And so at that moment, you were set apart unto the Lord. You were saved. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, And so uh, it is a done deal. Amen? It is at that moment that you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Remember, I talked about this before. I try to talk about it a lot because I want to just nail it in. Uh, It's the great switch. The moment we get saved, uh, it's the great switcheroo. Our sin is placed on Jesus Christ at the cross. And he dies to pay the penalty for our sin. And his righteousness, his Perfectness is placed on us so that God does not see us in our sin anymore, but God sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and that is how he can accept us as his child. So in that sense, we are sanctified. We are set apart unto him the moment we are born again, the moment we are saved. Praise God. Amen? Now, how many of you here are without sin? no one anybody anyone 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 none of us are are we we are not so while we have been sanctified and we have been clothed with the righteousness of christ and while he looks at us as if we've never sinned we still live in these sinful human bodies and we still have sin as long as we're in the flesh but praise god one day we will not amen One day when we step into glory, we are going to be what's called glorified, or we will also be sanctified, set apart from sin and the presence of sin forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. So there's a sense in which we've, in past tense, we've already been sanctified. There's a a sense in which in the future we will be sanctified. But friends, there's also the in-between period, isn't there? And that's what the process we call sanctification takes place. It is that process whereby we now, once we have been sanctified and been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, God begins to work in us to work out all those impurities. I love the illustration Brother Phil uses a lot in his class. In fact, his, his Connect Group class actually had him a t-shirt made a few years ago, I believe, uh, of an onion. I don't remember what the t-shirt says, but uh, the, the concept is that when we get saved, we're kind of like an onion. There's a lot of junk in there, amen? <laughs> And so just like you peel an onion one layer at a time, uh, God begins to peel off the sin in our lives. And the problem is sometimes we get saved, you know, we don't even know how bad we're messed up. Amen. (laughs) We don't even know some of the things that God wants to do in our lives. We don't even know some of the sin God wants to get out of our lives. And so, friends, we just need to understand that God wants to do something in me. And that as he wants to do something in me, it is my job to cooperate with him to allow him to do his work in me by surrendering and submitting to the Holy Spirit of God as he speaks to me, as he convicts me. Yeah, God, you're right. That's wrong. That's conf- Confession is agreeing with God that what he says is true. Yes, God, you're right. That is wrong. Because so many times we argue with God, don't we? Or we ignore God. Well, I okay. You know, we know something's wrong, but we enjoy it too much that we don't really care what God says, and so we're going to continue doing what we want to do. That's when discipline comes around. Amen? And then we blame God because we're the ones being disobedient. God wants to work in us to get all those impurities out, and it's a lifelong process. Amen? God's still working on me, making me what I need to be. Amen? And, And he's making me in the image of Christ. So he is... He is sanctifying us. He is cleansing us, verse 26, with the washing of water by the Word. So as we get in the Word, the Word of God is powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It shows us the areas of our life that need, need to be cleaned up. Amen? And so when God begins to convict you of something and God begins to show something in your life, you need to cooperate with Him. You need to get that out of your life because if you are a believer and you don't, then um, we'll, let's talk about, just for a second, the things that a lot of people don't like to talk about in our world today. Yes, if we are disobedient to God, God will begin to work harder and harder on our lives. Amen? And he will do that. Because it says here that his purpose is that he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Friends, we are to be a glorious church. Amen? We're to be a glorious people presented unto the Lord Jesus Christ himself, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy. There's that word hagios again, holy, set apart, consecrated, dedicated, dedicated unto the Lord and without blemish. So, friends, God saved us to something more than just a big, warm, fuzzy feeling. Amen. God has saved us to be set apart for him. God has saved us so that our lives can be a testimony to the world of his work of grace in us. Amen? So let's just get down to where where the rubber meets the road. Friends, we should not claim that Jesus is our Lord and still be living like the devil. Now, is it possible to be saved and doing that? (laughs) That's a loaded question, isn't it? come back some other day for the full answer to that one but here's the deal it's possible but you can't continue doing that if you're a true believer without the holy spirit getting a hold of you if you can say if you can claim jesus as your lord and savior and you can continue to live like the devil and not be convicted by that and not drawn into repentance and to the lord then you need to ask yourself a real question am i a true believer because the holy spirit lives inside of you and, and, and the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting you of sin. And so the two are contrary, and the two should not be. It doesn't mean we're perfect. We just talked about that, but it means that we are to be cooperating with God as He works in us. Amen? Now, uh, well, let's back up in Ephesians chapter 5 to verse 1, because Paul gets real specific here, okay? Verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Who are we supposed to imitate? We're supposed to imitate the Lord. We are to be working, uh, God is working in us to make us like Christ. It is Christ-likeness that he is after in our lives. Verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Friends, we are, uh, this reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 1, where, where, where Peter says, Just as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Amen? So we are to imitate Christ. We are not to be saved in order that we can go out and live for ourselves and do any old thing we want to. But now we are supposed to have, uh, have as our goal to be like Christ and to be like Jesus and let the Holy Spirit make us into Christ as he wants. Now here's the problem. Listen, we think that the world 2,000 years ago was so different than the world we live in today. Can I tell you, it really wasn't. People are people, and sin is sin. And uh, the same sins that happened today happened 2,000 years ago, they happened 4,000 years ago, and they happened all the way back to Adam and Eve, okay? If you don't believe me, just read your Bible. There's some crazy stuff in the scriptures, Amen. Uh, as the scripture just describes human nature and the sin of people. But Paul here then begins to talk about, because uh, here he was speaking to the church at Ephesus, and, and this was one of those prison letters that was circulated among many of the churches, and he wanted to tell them the same things that I'm talking to you today about is the fact that you say that Jesus is your Lord, but you're living like the devil. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, but fornication, we'll come back to that here in just a second, And all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Now, interesting also that the word saints there, guess what the root word is that's translated saints there? Hagios. Same root word as sanctify or holy. It's the called out ones. The set-apart ones, that's who we are as saints. We are called out by God. We are set-apart unto him. And so that's, what that, that's simply what it means, just talking about all believers here. So uh, what is it saying about all believers? Fornication. What is fornication? It's a word that I don't think our world really knows at all. It is basically sexual sin. Any and all sexual sin outside of the confines of God's intentions for sex, that is, between one man and one woman for life. So fornication includes all types of sexual sin, whether it's sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage, sex uh, in a marriage that's not ordained by God. It's all fornication. Just because man uh, says it's okay does not mean God says it's okay. And so the Bible here is very clear. Fornication, uh, Paul says, do not let it be named among you. Any sexual sin, any uncleanness. Friend, do we really need to say, I think that's just a good word, uncleanness, something that's just not right, amen? Amen and covetousness and we think of covetousness and we think well i don't want my brothers something or whatever my neighbors whatever but you know it's just covetousness is simply just the desire of not being satisfied having to have more and more and more and more and more and more and more man that describes our world today doesn't it yet paul says let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints he continues on in verse four says neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks so friends we need to watch our attitude we need to watch our mouth amen we need to watch our our, our dirty minds listen if all you fill your mind with is a bunch of junk what do you think's going to go through your mind all the time what do you think's going to come out of your mouth if you feel you say well pastor you just don't know what kind of environment i work in listen i understand that i've worked in that type of environment i understand Uh, the, the, the difficulty that you're going through. But the challenge I want to put to you is this. Don't let them influence you. You influence them. You say, oh, pastor, I just don't know if I can do that. Friends, you can't. Jesus can in you. You ask him for strength, friends, and you be the light in the midst of a dark place. Commit yourself to him. Pray before you go in there every morning and ask him to give you the strength to, to, to be the light for him. Doesn't mean you say, well, Pastor, they just look at me. It's just a Mr. Goody-two-shoes. No, I want you to be honest. I want you to admit your faults. When they say, well, then why are you doing it? You know what? You're right. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. God's still working on me. I am an imperfect work in progress. But he talks about these things. And he says, those things are not fitting. What is fitting? To have an attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness to God because of what he's done for us. Verse 5, for this you know, that no fornicator, talking about sexual morality, no unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Friends, there is nothing, not a verse in scripture that gets any clearer than that. Look at the next verse. Let no one deceive you with empty words. In other words, if somebody says that Jesus is their Lord, but their life their lifestyle continues to be a lifestyle that is characterized by these things, what Paul is saying here is they are a liar, as John says in 1 John, and the truth is not in them. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So, friends, Paul is calling us to a higher calling. He is calling us not to just a, a warm, fuzzy feeling but that we are saved and forgiven. That's good. We can have that. We need to be uh, confident in Christ. I want you to, 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 to have that, that peace that passes all understanding. That's part of it, but it doesn't stop there. God is calling us to something greater. He's calling us to a life that is set apart unto him. He's calling us to a life that is consecrated unto him. He is calling us to be holy as he is holy, to be set apart. And to, when the Holy Spirit works on us and when he convicts us of something, we are to get on our knees and ask him for forgiveness and, and allow him to cleanse us. And that process may take over and over and over again, friends. But as we commit ourselves, look back at verse 26. What does he do? He, as we commit ourselves to being in the word, what does he do with the word? He cleanses us with the washing of water by the word. The word of God purifies us. As we simply commit ourselves to what God says. Look at verse 8. Last few verses we're going to look at here this morning says this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Praise God. Amen. We once walked in darkness. Used to. Used to do that, right? Not anymore. You are now light in the Lord. Walk then as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Listen, you read between the lines there. He's just saying, listen, the fruit of being in in the Lord and in the light is not all that debauchery and uh, uncleanness and all of that mess, friends, but the fruit of a relationship with Christ is all goodness, righteousness, and truth and finding out, verse 10, what is acceptable to the Lord and seeking to live a life that pleases Him. Listen to me for just a minute. We can never pay Christ back for what he's done for us. We can never get to a point where we deserve the grace that has been given to us. Please don't misunderstand me there. We don't deserve the goodness of God. I'm a sinner. You all have heard me say this before. I'd bust hell wide open on my best day. I don't deserve it. I'm grateful for it. And that's the reason we commit ourselves unto the Lord. We commit ourselves to all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's why, that's why we commit ourselves to finding out what's pleasing to Him, what's acceptable to Him. And we live with that in mind, friends, not a lifestyle that is going to that's going to be embarrassed. You say, well, pastor, and, and, and you guys know me. I just preached about this for went on vacation and so forth. Uh, I'm not about legalism. I'm not about, uh, you, you, I don't, God's not about legalism. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts and all that kind of stuff. Well, pastor, how then do I know uh, wh- whether I should or I shouldn't be doing something? Well, if you are questioning it, then that probably means you maybe not ought to be doing it. Amen. But here's the deal. Would you blush if Jesus was right there beside you? There's a lot of people in our world that say certain things aren't wrong. Then why do they try to hide certain things from other people? Verse 11 tells us this. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Friends, I want to simply give you an opportunity now before we come to the Lord's table This is a time where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. We take of the the bread and the juice in order to take time to remember that his body and blood was shed on the cross to pay for our sins. And as we do that here in a minute, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you're a member here or not, we invite you to be a part of this time with us. We invite you to partake of this with us. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Uh, I want you to use this time to just think about what Christ has done for you. Um, This is not meant to be exclusionary, but it's meant to be a remembrance. In other words, we do this because we have a relationship with him. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with him, it's not exclusionary because here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are, uh, are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the Lord Jesus is standing with His arms wide open and says, "If you will come to Me, I will receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also." And friends, so so if you are here this morning, you don't know Christ, your Lord and Savior, well, you can take care of that today by simply saying, "Lord Jesus, would You come into my heart? Would You come into my life? I believe that You are who You say You are. I believe You did what You said You did for me, and I believe what we what I've heard this morning is the truth. That the only thing that can pay the penalty for my sins, and the only thing I need." To get into heaven, Jesus is what you did on the cross. You died and shed your blood to cover my sins, and to pay the penalty of my sins. Friends, if you'll simply invite Christ into your life, believing that, the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, your name can be written in heaven. So I want to invite you here in a moment, when I give, give, give us all just a time of reflection here, I want to invite you to do that. If you're here this morning and you are a believer, I hope maybe God has spoken to you a little bit this morning. I hope God's been speaking to you about some things maybe that, that have been going on in your life, some things that you're involved in or some things, maybe it's an attitude. You know, we as Christians sometimes can have a bad attitude, amen? Let me rephrase that. A lot of times, we can have an unthankful attitude, an ungrateful attitude, a selfish attitude. Sometimes we can get involved in doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Is before you come to the Lord's table, would you just ask God to forgive you of that? Not with the intentions of going back to it, but the intentions of repenting and turning from it. Lord, I don't want that to be a part of my life anymore. Whatever God's been speaking to you about this morning, I don't know what, how, what you need to do and what you need to deal with right now. But I want you to deal with it. Just... Just agree with him. Whatever the Holy Spirit's been heavy on your heart this morning, it's been on your mind, you know you, whatever, as I've been talking about, whatever it is that you know that you shouldn't be doing or shouldn't be involved in or things God's working on in your life, would you right now just say, yes, God, do that in my life. I confess that to you. I turn from it. I submit to you. I'll give you just a few minutes to do that. Uh, I'm going to ask our men to come here in just a minute. But uh, guys, stay where you are just for a second. Um, Let's just take a few minutes as our pianist plays, just bow your heads right now. We give you an opportunity just to respond to the Lord right now. Whatever he's been saying to you, our hearts, know our ways, see if there's any wicked way in us and cleanse us